When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Happy Class. This is a special bonus series of the Live Free Creative podcast, where I, Miranda Anderson, give you a little bit of an inside scoop into my Master of Applied Positive Psychology program at UPenn. I am going to spend the 2022-2023 school year diving deep into the science of well-being, answering the question, what makes life worth living? And I'm excited to share little bits and pieces along the way with you. So whether you're interested in what's it like being in graduate school as an almost 40-year-old, or if you, like me, are interested in living a little bit better life, I hope that you'll enjoy these quick, thoughtful insights as to the things that I'm learning and what I think about them. Hop into my backpack. Let's head on in to happy class. Hello, welcome back to happy class. You're listening to week number 36. The weeks are winding down as this final summer semester is like in full swing right now fully embedded in my capstone research project. And within the next six weeks, I should be wrapping things up completely. I mentioned last week that I'm ahead of schedule on my capstone. I had a fire lit beneath me just with the motivation to like be done. (laughs) There are things that you can do quickly and there are things that need to be done more slowly. And, you know, you've all heard the phrase, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, some things you have to really pace yourself in order to be effective and not burn out. And for some reason, this capstone, even though it is a big project, it feels like something I can I can push the limit on a little bit. It's not a full marathon. It's also not a sprint, but I'm finding myself engaging in long bouts of regular deep diving of research and writing and kind of front-loading what I know could have been a longer process. Ideally, I'll be finished with a full draft by this evening. When this episode goes live, I, fingers crossed, will have a full draft. And of course, drafts are, for those of you who, who do a lot of writing, you know, a draft is just sort of like getting something out there. And then there's usually rounds and rounds of revisions and edits. I am lucky to have an advisor who's been sending me pieces back. I'm sending her drafts and she's sending me revisions along the way and comments and things to think about. So I'm getting, I'm kind of dual purpose right now. I'm revising previous pieces of the project 
And at the same time, you know, kind of every other day-ish, I'm, I'm creating new sections and trying to finish out the, a complete draft. So it's a little bit of a windmill, I guess, where, with pieces going out and coming back in and new pieces going out and coming back in. And I'm rewriting and writing new material. All that to say, I'm getting closer. As of the recording of this episode, I've written about 9,000 words and... I have about 33 pages of the capstone. I I think at this point I'm probably about two-thirds finished with the research piece, and then I also have the book proposal piece to write, which will feel like a breath of fresh air because the research piece is very involved. And in fact, the more that I've been doing this like in-depth research into the benefits of everyday creativity, the definitions around creativity, some of the different ways that it enhances our lives, I'm even more convinced than I was before of the necessity to bring some of this research in very common language to people because there is really robust research that I've never heard of before, even being super interested in creativity for my whole life. And I've read a bunch of books about creativity and there's things that I don't think are like bridging quite completely the gap between what's happening in in academia and what people are receiving in Barnes and Noble, for example. And I don't know why that is. I, I don't know if it's because people who are academics who go on to be PhDs and professors that the there's a real benefit of the peer review process in that sort of higher level academic journal. And maybe it's seen as sort of secondary or fluffy to, you know, quote unquote, dumb down your material for the common people, people who are not also receiving PhDs. But somehow that feels a little bit exclusionary to me. It feels like why if we if we know so much about how people's lives can benefit from not only creativity, but so many of the things that I learned about this year in this program have direct real-time application on the individual's life and and flourishing. And yet so much of it stays up in the, you know, a cloud of academia. And unless you are attending these classes, unless you're visiting with these professors, I don't know that there's the same robustness of research filtering through just to be understood and applied in everyday life. All that to say that the research component of my capstone that I've been working on for the last couple weeks is really generating a lot of enthusiasm for my book proposal and the possibility of writing a nonfiction book about the benefits of everyday creativity in common language for lay people, non-professional creatives to understand and to gain some insight and excitement and maybe some motivation for building creative practices in your own lives and also seeing the way that problem solving can be creative and the way that parenting can be creative and the way that commuting to work can be creative and that creativity isn't just art. It isn't just science. It isn't just big culture shifting innovation, but that it's intentionality. And like there's been so many interesting parallels lately to the idea of intentional living and and minimalism and focusing on what matters most and values-based living, all of the things that I've been talking about and teaching and hosting workshops about and you know my online course is all about this idea of 
decluttering, making space for what matters most, doing things in a way that works for you and really customizing your life in a way that works for you. And turns out a lot of the creativity research talks about creativity in just that same way. In that vein, I want to share a little bit from an article that I am using in my capstone project called Reasoning and Creativity. It's from a book that you probably haven't heard of that's called Creativity and Reason in Cognitive Development. This is It's an academic book published by Cambridge University Press. This article in particular is by a creativity researcher named Mark Runko, and he talks about creativity as reasoning. He says personal creativity must involve reasoning because things that are creative are necessarily original and useful or meaningful, but you can make original things that are not meaningful or useful, and that means that, you know, by definition, they wouldn't be creative. He also talks about personal creativity being the capacity to produce an original interpretation of experience. Now, think think about that for a second. The key mechanism in personal creativity is the capacity to produce an original interpretation of experience. He goes on to say that people frequently make assumptions and follow routines, in which case they are not constructing original interpretations. The reliance on routine and assumption apparently increases throughout the lifespan, which is one reason why he proposes that children are more creative than adults, or at least more easily creative. And then he goes on to say adults need to battle routine and avoid assumption. They may need to employ tactics to maintain their creativity. I love this idea. It really resonated with me that creativity is this original interpretation of experience. How do we make our lives original based on what matters to us, what we find meaningful and useful in our own lives, and how that differs from other people? Of course, and I like that he makes this point in, in the following paragraph, he says, a balance is always needed. We need to be creative some of the time, but other times we need to follow routine. And he talks about, for example, I, I don't want my child to be creative in their driving. There are driving rules, regulations, guidelines, and laws. I hope she follows them. That is a time to conform. You know, when you're stopping at a red light, for example, the original thing might be to cruise right through it, but you don't want your child or yourself to be original in those situations. You need to use your reasoning to understand when is a time for me to be original and creative, and when is a time for me to conform and follow the rules. We need to be creative some of the time, and other times we need to follow routine. He says this is where reasoning influences the creative process. It's used to decide about where and when to put the effort into constructing our original interpretations. As I read on, I felt like these are things that feel really inherent to me, and they haven't felt quite as natural to some of the people that I've been coaching or worked with in my own courses, partly, I think, because of upbringing and entrenched belief systems and a real conservatism, the idea that there are things done a certain way and we must do them that way. When you open up a little bit and understand that there are more options available than just the ones that may have been presented to you on a platter by your parents, you start to be able to employ your imagination and innovation and use your mind in ways that are natural to humanity, that are outside of the spectrum of what you can see, imagining things that don't exist, but that you can bring into existence. 
Runko goes on to say, creative persons choose to exercise their capacity for original interpretation because they value certain things. They are attracted to creative things, for example, and enjoy complexity and certain aesthetics. This implies they appreciate the creative efforts of others and will put effort into being creative themselves. Values are key. They direct thinking and they motivate. It's here where I come back around to how do people know what their values are? How do we start with values, start with what matters, start with discovery, self-discovery, self-awareness, paying attention, and offering yourself the space to explore who you are and what you love as you grow, as you change? Who are you now? What do you love now? What matters most to you today? So much of this conversation that he's having in this article is about everyday life, about living a life that works for you. There's a passage towards the end of this article that I really love, and he's talking about alternatives, that people think they need to know what all of the options are, and that having a perfect knowledge of all of the alternatives uh, will help you make better choices. He says the knowledge of alternatives assumes that the individual is able to find alternatives, but the individual may actually need to construct or generate them, not just find them. This idea that creativity can be useful in constructing options to live our lives independently according to our value systems in a way that yields fulfillment and satisfaction and joy is exactly why I'm studying this. This is exactly the the piece that I feel like fits into the puzzle of why has it felt so important to me to be creative? Why has it felt so important to me to generate new thoughts, new ideas, new options for myself to in some ways walk against the current and say, I know that this is the way that it's always been done. And that way doesn't work for me. The truth is that for most of us, the way that it quote unquote has always been done isn't going to work for us. And it's not even true that that's the way that it's always been done. It's just that those are the voices the loudest or the ones with the most power or the one with the microphone. The way that works for you, that may be the way that you have to invent, you have to create, you have to come up with, generate or construct your own ideas around how to live well. You can take influences from other people. You can take a bit of that that seems fun and a bit of that that looks good and a piece of that routine that works for someone else and, you know, that advice that someone gave you along the line. But don't take them part and parcel. Put them together with things that you know about you and trusting your own self and trusting who you are and what you love and you can start to build this thing, this, this beautiful life that's different than anyone else's, that brings joy and flourishing into your life and the life of your kids and your family. And this flexibility that we build with ourselves as we exercise everyday creativity in just our regular everyday life routines, problem solving, not only gardening and painting, although those things absolutely benefit us, but just how we walk the walk of life. When we do it on our own terms, I think we flexibly allow others that same option. We celebrate and acknowledge and cheer on other people doing it different from us because we recognize there isn't just one way. There isn't just one path. There isn't just one right. 
when we are able to find this type of openness and flexibility and compassion and generosity with ourselves and with others, life will start to look better than we even knew was possible. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.